last week. And then shortly after, they tested positive for COVID-19. The good news is they appear to be doing reasonably well. Fever, tired, that sort of thing. But to be on the safe side, I'm going to be quarantining for just a couple more days. We are in a series I'm calling Songs of the Heart as we look at the book of Psalms. And this morning, I want us to read together from Psalm 13. So would you just join me? Psalm 13 says, David begins, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. May God add his blessing to his word. I want to begin uh, with a story. A husband goes to the doctor along with his wife. Well, after the examination, the doctor says to the man, Would you excuse us? I would like to have a conversation with your wife. Well, the man leaves the room. And the doctor and wife converse. Doctor, what's wrong? No, I'm sorry, Mrs. Smith, but your husband is a very sick man. He may not have very long to live. In fact, he's entirely too stressed, and he may die. What? Well, what can I do, said Mrs. Smith. Well, the doctor said there is some hope. I believe that if you could relieve the stress in your husband's life, Treat him like a king. Make sure he has breakfast in the morning just like he likes it. Makes his bed. Let him watch whatever he wants on TV. Don't, don't ask him to do chores. Fix him his favorite meal night after night. Rub his feet. Scratch his back. Don't yell at him. And just agree with everything he says. If you could cater to his every whim, I think he just might make a full recovery. Well, Mrs. Smith tells the doctor, thank you, and she exits. She goes out to her husband, who has been anxiously waiting. He looks at her, and he says, so what did the doctor say? Well, she responds, the doctor says, you're going to die. Friends, last week we started talking about the Psalms of Lament. David, who wrote Psalm 13, is suffering. We see that very clearly here. Now, unlike Mrs. Smith, the truth is we would do anything to help someone else not to suffer, or at least we'd like to think so. That's why I'm in quarantine this morning. I'm fine, but I don't want anyone to have to suffer if I can help it. And of course, sometimes what is frustrating is we don't understand God. Because if he has the power to stop suffering, why doesn't he? The age-old question, why does he let bad things happen to good people? Well, in this psalm, we know a couple of things. First, we know that, that David feels alone. One of the worst parts, it seems to me, of this pandemic is the fact that people 
in order to stem the spread, have been forced to be isolated. And so we hear the stories of the elderly alone in nursing homes, families who aren't getting together to celebrate birthdays and weddings, and are even cautious about coming together at funerals. It is so much more difficult to face suffering when you have to face it alone. Well, David, he is suffering, but he believes that God is good. He believes that God is his friend, but it seems like God is silent. He's calling out to God, and he's not hearing anything. Now, to be honest with you, I've never heard God audibly speak. I know some who claim to have heard an audible voice of sorts, something along those lines, but not me. But I can say that there have been certain times in my life when I have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and his prompting and his leading, where I knew with certainty that God was directing me. But of course, then there are those other times too, and you probably know this. There are times when we really want to hear from God, especially when we're hurting, and we get nothing. We pray for direction. We ask for some type of response, and we wonder if God is hearing us at all. And that's where David seems to be here in Psalm 13. God is silent. It seems like God is far away. Now, we don't know when David wrote this psalm in his life. David was about 14 years old when the prophet Samuel came along and anointed him to be the next king of Israel. As a 14-year-old, that's got to be pretty exciting. That's really wonderful, right? King, that's amazing. And I'm sure David was surprised. And at first, David served King Saul very well. In fact, so well, he was so successful that Saul became enraged with jealousy. And so Saul wanted him dead. And David was forced to become a fugitive, battling for his life and just trying to survive. And of course, that went on for years. And so David is hiding in caves and wondering about God's promises. In fact, at one point, he finally gets word that King Saul is dead. But David is now about 30 years old. And finally, he becomes king. For all those years, don't you think David had to be asking How long have you forgotten me, Lord? For 14 or 15 years, there was nothing but heartache. These had not been good years. They were hard years. They were painful years. And David has wondered again and again, what is God up to? How long have you forgotten me? I wonder, have you ever felt that way? Looking for a job and... There just seems to be none to find. Hoping for a spouse, and no one seems to be that right person. Waiting to have a child, but it doesn't seem to be happening. How long? In fact, do you feel that way this morning? Like God is distant, God is silent. Lord, do you see me down here? How long do I have to bear this hurt? Lord, why don't you help me? I just need some hope. And so David sings and he prays, how long, how long would you forget me? Forever? 
Now, I want you to know that the Bible is pretty clear about this, but sometimes we need to be reminded. The truth is we are all going to face trials and tests. Jesus says in John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. So we can expect it. That is the norm. Sometimes it will be a minor inconvenience. Other times it will be something larger, life-altering, where our world is turned upside down. Bob Benson, in his book, See You at the House, outlines a conversation he had with a man named W.T. who had suffered a heart attack a couple of years before. Benson had not seen him since the attack, so when they got together and began talking, he said, W.T., how did you like your heart attack? He said, how did I like my heart attack? What do you mean by that? It nearly killed me. It scared me to death. He said, how did I like it? I didn't like it at all. Well, at that, Benson said, would you like to do it again? And W.T. said, no way, I wouldn't do it again. He said, would you recommend it for someone else? He said, absolutely not. Well, then Benson asked his friend. He said, well, does your life mean more to you now than it did before? W.T. said, well, yes. Well, you and Nell have a beautiful marriage for years, but are you closer now than you ever were before? Well, that's for sure, said W.T., well, how about your granddaughter? He said, I, well, I hold her a little bit more tightly. Do you have a new compassion for people, a deeper understanding, a deeper sympathy? Well, that is certainly true. And Bob Benson paused and he said, W.T., how did you like your heart attack? Benson writes, now, neither I nor he would tell you to rush right out and have a heart attack. But there is a good majesty in the process. Sometimes the good shines brighter than ever when contrasted with the darkness. Dr. David Jeremiah, a favorite preacher of mine, says, It seems to be the universal testimony of those who suffer that it is a clarifying experience. Pain is a type of preparation like no other, allowing the unimportant to fall away and the critical to rise to the top. Somehow, God can even take our suffering and use it to prepare us for our future. Somehow, God can even take our suffering and use it to shape us to be more like his son. The truth is, the hardest moments of life often bear the seeds of a fruitfulness we could never foresee. And so, how we react to suffering can make us bitter, or in many ways make us better. And really, that is our choice. Now, Psalm 13 is a rather short psalm. You'll notice that the majority of the psalm speaks of how it seems that God is silent and distant. But even in the midst of that pain and confusion, David affirms that there is someone who is greater and more powerful and wiser. 
He's been talking about how long, how long, how long. But all, all of a sudden, the word, uh, there's a word change that gives us a completely different direction. Listen to what he says again in verse 5. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So, on the heels of all these questions, David breaks out in a song in the midst of his own suffering. David says, God has been good to me. In spite of this pain I am now in, I acknowledge what God has done. Edward Tesh says, Psalm 13 begins with a sigh and it ends with a song. He says, it starts out and it moves from despair to prayer to confident hope. In other words, he may seem distant, God may seem silent, but David knows his God. He knows God's heart. He knows God's plan for ultimate by of salvation. And so by faith, he sings. Listen, my friends, when we go through suffering, it is almost inevitable we ask the question, why? Well, the truth is, we may never find the answer, at least not in this life. But what happens if we change the question? What if we change the question from why to how? How can I glorify God in my suffering? How can I give God glory, even in this situation? And I suspect if you ask that question, you will always get an answer. How can I glorify God in this trial? in this situation, in this time. In that, I think you'll find an answer. One of the hard things about not being with you this morning is that for so many years as a preacher, I'm looking at you row after row after row, and it's sort of funny, but I had two different stories this week about how sometimes that can bother you. One dear lady, in fact, called me up this very week and said, Pastor, are you mad at me? I said, why would you think that I'm mad at you? Well, because in last week's sermon, when you were talking about unconfessed sin and not being able to be around certain people, you were looking right at me. I felt felt like you were sending me a message. (laughs) Well, I assured her I wasn't looking at her. I wasn't trying to send her some type of message and zero my point in. In fact, I was with uh, Tom and Marion Sturgeon earlier this week. They were moving to Illinois to be closer to Marion's family. In fact, they're moving this very weekend, and we pray for them and bless them. Some of you know that Tom has declined quite a bit, but he is still such a very sweet, gentle man. Marion, as we were talking, told me when they first got married a few years back, they intended to find a church. And someone suggested friends, and they showed up. But Tom, afterwards, said to Marion, he was obviously uneasy. He said, I don't know about that preacher. He keeps looking at me. And Marion said, Tom, it's your imagination. The preacher's not looking at you. Relax. And to herself, she's thinking, oh, maybe the Lord is working on him. Well, the next week, they came back. I don't know about that preacher. He just keeps looking at me. And and again, Marion is thinking, God is up to something. Maybe the Lord is working. 
Well, they came back a third and a fourth time, happily so. And finally, at the end of one service, Marion said, you know, he turned to me, he gave me his hymnal, he walked down the aisle, and he received Jesus Christ that day. Listen, my friends, I'm not looking at you this morning, but I want you to know this. When I look down our rows, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I will tell you what I often see. I think about the things that you're going through. I know some of the health battles. I know some of the issues with your kids. I know some of the struggles in your marriages. I know some of the difficulties you face with with your job. I know some of you are lonely. And I pray for many of you. I have a prayer list and many of you are on it. But one of the prayers I consistently pray is for those of you who are hurting, that in your pain, you would be drawn closer to God. This morning, I ask you to have the perspective of David, where we come to a point and we look at our pain. We don't deny it. We don't pretend it's not real. But we take a moment and we think about God and what he has done for us. And by the way, (laughs) we know more than David. David says, God has been good to me. David knew God's promises. We, you and I, know about the fulfillment of those promises. We know Jesus. We know that Jesus was acquainted with suffering, bruised for our transgressions. We knew, we know with our whole hearts that he went and he bore the cross so we wouldn't have to go there. We know God's salvation plan in full. So when we face our trials, and again, we have trials, we know that sin and death and shame and Satan have been conquered. We know that God is for us and with us. And he says he will never leave us nor forsake us. What a great Savior we have. Susie Highsmith was a part of our church, but I'm willing to bet none of you have ever met her. She was a second cousin of mine. In fact, she grew up with my mother, and they were very close. But Susie considered our church to be her church home, as every Sunday she would tune in and listen to our services in Columbus, Ohio. Once or twice a year, I get a note from her just thanking us for our ministry. Well, two years ago, Susie was diagnosed with a very serious and deadly form of leukemia. She died last week after a very tough battle. But I believe it was her faith that carried her. For weeks, my mom would call her up and they would pray together every morning. She welcomed that. I talked to her a couple of weeks ago on Saturday. We prayed over the phone reaffirmed her commitment to Christ and our thanksgiving for the calm and assurance of his salvation, his saving grace. And I knew it would be the last time I would speak with Susie. It was her funeral I did last Friday. I am so grateful that in the midst of her battle, she trusted Jesus. 
And now that battle is over. And I can hear her sing with David, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Would you pray with me? Lord, remind us that the hardest moments of life often bear seeds of fruitfulness that we could never foresee. May you always come in the midst of our pain and remind us of your salvation. May we come to know that you are always there. And may we change the question. Let us ask less often why. And may instead, Lord, in those moments of pain, may we ask more and more how. How can we bless you and glorify your name? And we do bring glory to your name, no matter the circumstances, O Lord. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. I love you and hope to be with you soon. Would you stand with us as we close this service?